Welcome to Raising the Apple. We are on episode 15, really moving along here with the episodes. As always, I am Mike, here with my co-host Ethan. How are you doing, Ethan? I'm doing great. Much like the Mets, we're on our way back. Yeah, things have uh, looked pretty good lately. I heard I heard the Blue Jays were, were kind of hot or something. They were on some type of streak, I think. I, they even looked like it to me. Yeah, no, I mean... I, I think they're pretty overrated because, I mean, I just keep hearing about, oh, they beat up on the Red Sox pitching staff. Ooh, big whoop. <laughs> they come and face real pitchers back-to-back days. And yeah, I'm, being, I'm being very sarcastic, by the way. The Blue Jays are not actually overrated before anybody gets pissed off. And I was going to say, I was going to kind of uh, touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Although, I mean, we do have a primarily Mets fan base, so I guess there wouldn't really be too many people to anger. Nah, but, Mets um, fans always will find a reason to get angry at something. That's Especially true. We might, we might get some spillover from uh, like Mets blog or something. <laughs> I'm thinking about maybe we should implement a, uh, like a segment of this show where we just read Mets blog comments. Uh, we have to get 3D on. I was just I was literally <laughs> going to say that. Do you remember when he used apart? to just yeah he used to just yeah, put those the, are my uh, favorite comments. Yeah, whenever there was a uh, a link posted from Mets blog, he would always just pick out the best comments and put them. Uh, in a in a comment of his own under the the link that was always good. I always enjoyed reading those. Yeah, we got to get it him back on me, that. Save me <laughs> having to sift through the uh, that terrible wasteland of a comment <laughs> section. They're, they're so <laughs> but, hilarious. Um, so. No, I want to. Uh, we'll start tonight with. Uh, I want to start with tonight's games. Uh, tonight being Tuesday. Uh, for anyone that's listening, you know, whenever after we we post this, but um. I, I do want to start with tonight's game just because it's freshest in our minds and it just kind of makes sense chronologically. We'll start with tonight and then we'll kind of uh, work our way from the start of the week. But the thing I kind of want to start with tonight, and I just want to touch on this real quick because it's fresh in my mind and also because I want to get off of it quickly because I know that you don't want me to, to stay on this for too long. <laughs> but I, I, kind I knew of, this was coming. I knew this well, was coming. See, what happens is I found I, – I think I found, like, a good way to eloquently put my hatred of Terry Collins. And I'm sure you did. The game tonight made me realize more so, you know, how I felt and what I mean by it. So I would like to put that into words for people that don't understand why I hate Terry so much. So here it is. I've worked on this. I worked on – I had a half-hour car ride home from work, and I, and I <laughs> thought of this the entire way. Um, my problem with Terry Collins is that – as a manager, he is extremely reactive, and any good manager is proactive. That's my problem with Terry Collins, because you could take any bum in the minors, coaching college, you could take high school coaches, and you could put them in there, and they could be reactive. They could say, oh, this guy gave up three runs, I got to take him out. Any coach can do that, but the good coaches of the world, the LaRussas, you know, the Bobby Coxes, etc., are proactive. And the reason I realized this more astutely is because it happened tonight, and I and it clicked, and I was like, yep, that's exactly it. When Carlos Torres came in to pitch tonight, I was fine with that, okay? He hasn't been good lately at all, but I was okay with him pitching. We had a three-run lead. It was the eighth inning. I, I was okay with it. However, he gives up three straight hits, I believe. I saw two of them. The first one was a hit, right? Not a walk. Because I was half uh, No, the first one was a walk. It was a leadoff walk. Oh, it was a walk. Okay, so that's probably actually even worse. But he gives up a leadoff <laughs> walk with a three-run lead, then a hit, then another hit. Somehow, the Blue Jays have one of like the worst base-running blunders. I don't even know what yeah, to really that was say about what absolutely happened. Absolutely atrocious. I mean, uh, if, did you, you see when thank they you, showed the full view or the full field view replay? And he just literally, he didn't even stop till he was almost at third base. He didn't realize yeah. that the runner didn't advance. I don't know what he was, was doing. But it was I mean, luckily, we completely lucked out with that. 
Yeah. But, so Torres walks the first game. batter, gives up two hard hits. That Reyes' hit was smoked. So now, somehow, they run into an out. We have one out, first and third. Now, at this point, Terry Collins says, all right, I'll leave Carlos Torres in because we got an out. Yeah, but Carlos Torres didn't get an out, okay? He gave up a walk and two straight very hard hits. And at that point, that's where you as a manager need to say, all right, I need to make a move because this clearly isn't working. And sure enough, facing one of the best hitters in the major leagues this year, Torres walks him on five pitches, and the only pitch that was a strike was a 3-0 fastball that you're just going to throw to get me over. So basically what you're doing, and then he finally went to Parnell, which was a bit of a risk of its own, but clearly Torres wasn't working out. Yeah, and what the and fuck else are you going to do at that point? That's, yeah, that's what I mean. So like, so my problem there is there's absolutely no reason to leave Torres in against Donaldson. You need to be proactive as a manager. He waited till the last possible moment to make a move, and that's what he always does. That's my problem with him yeah. is that any good manager after that Reyes hit would have said, all right, you know what? We're done with this. I don't care that that somehow turned into an out. Carlos Torres needs to come out of this game. But Terry Collins waits until the worst possible scenario to finally make a move. And it puts us in such a big hole so constantly that that's what drives me nuts. That I just, I can't, that's what I can't take. I want a manager. I I just want a manager. I don't even care if it's wrong decision sometimes, but I would rather have a manager make an educated decision based on, you know, a good thought process rather than wait until friggin' Joe Bum sitting on his couch can say, oh, it's time to take this guy out, which is what Terry does. Yeah. So that's, you know, that to me is, and you could say it worked out, but it didn't really work out thanks to Terry. <laughs> you know, yeah, Parnell luckily got out of it. Like many things that have gone well for the Mets this year, it worked well in spite of Terry, not because of yeah, Terry. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, you know, and I think that's a very fair criticism. Uh, and then to just before we move on to the next, you know, part of, of what we're going to talk about, uh, I will combine that fair criticism with a little bit of unfair criticism not a criticism but just a little bit of an unfair random point they showed the graph i was at work tonight so I, I you know i work at a at a bar i host a trivia night so i can kind of watch the game as i'm working and uh but i can't listen to anything so i catch it every once in a while so on the screen i look over and all i see is mets all-time wins and terry collins is third on the list and i threw up a little in my mouth i got a little like <laughs> I got a little like, like, and then I just, I felt it coming and I didn't know why. And then it just, it was more of an instinctual thing by my body. At what that, point do you think uh, he's going to get his plaque in Cooperstown? You think next okay. year or you think they're just going to give it to him this year? That's painful to even think about. I don't, I don't even know if I can make a joke about that. That just kind of hurts my soul. Well, wouldn't he, would it not be kind of funny to see Terry Collins' face on a plaque in Cooperstown? You can't say that wouldn't be funny. You say funny, I say horrific and torturous. He's so yeah, I do awful. Say funny. He's so terrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, oh, our Terry bashing started off well and then devolved into stupidity. Yeah. All right, so that's a, at no, least that's it's good, a step though, up from normal. That's all right, though, because then it's a good good time to move on then. So we'll move on to uh, talking about the actual game. And uh, most importantly, Matt Harvey Yeah, pretty good to me. Wait, I'm sorry. I thought... I thought Matt Harvey was done. I thought he was a bust. Oh, my God. I saw... I don't know if you saw the same comment, and that's what you're referring to, but I saw a comment online where in the Jacob deGrom article about why he's living up to the hype or, or living up to, you know, what he did last year, and somebody talked about, yeah, too bad Harvey's not to 2013. I was like, are you frigging kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Like, the overreactions. How, how this... reactionary, to use that word again, how reactionary yeah. do you have to be to genuinely see the thing that scares me is that there are dumb people that will say stuff like that but how dumb do you have to be to genuinely believe that and the thing that really worries me is how many Mets fans were flipping out after that last game which is actually a perfect segue because that's actually the first game of the week we had to talk about so we'll be able to go right back into that but I mean we had I heard so many people just saying like Matt Harvey, you know, he's not the same pitcher. He's never going to be as good as he was in 2013. 2013 was a fluke, blah, blah, blah. It was so ridiculous. Now he's back down to a 332 ERA. Uh, I'm not so worried about the ERA. Last I saw was 302. Well, it was too, you know, ERA gets inflated by bad. It was two bad starts. So if you take those out, 
Uh, you know, so the and my ERA, point is I'm that it's still about. really it's still a good ERA, three thirty two. That's perfectly acceptable right now from yeah. Harvey, coming now, back from Tommy John, missing eighteen months. It's perfectly well, acceptable. Well, that's what I would like to talk about, and I'm going to make this point. Um, Adam Wainwright, who is largely regarded as one of the best pitchers in baseball, he had Tommy John surgery. Um, he missed all of 2011, so I don't remember if he had it at the beginning of 2011 or the end of 2010. I don't remember when it came, but he missed all of 2011. So he comes back in 2012, and let me read you his numbers. So 2008, he's got a 3.20 ERA, uh, which is good for a 132 ERA plus, which is just basically compared ERA compared to the average of the league. Um... 2009, he's got a 2.63 ERA, uh, which comes out to a 155 ERA plus. 2010, he's got a 2.42 ERA, uh, 160 ERA plus. Has Tommy John surgery in 2011. Now, this is a guy the past few years one of the best pitchers in baseball. 2012 has a 3.94 ERA, which is good for a 96 ERA plus. So he was below average. Tommy John surgery is not, you know, that's not something you come back from. I don't care who you are. That's not something you come back from. And you pitch like a Hall of Famer the first year back. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And the thing is, doesn't happen. Harvey, for the most part, he's pitching about as well as he did in 2013. I mean, his uh, strikeout percentage is just a tick below what it was. It's about a percentage and a half below what it was in 2013. His walk percentage is almost the exact same. The only thing that's changed is that his home run to fly ball rate has skyrocketed. And a lot of that is because he's pitching the contact a little bit more. Uh, yeah. His fastball doesn't have the same movement, so he's going to get hit a little bit harder. But it's still, you know, it's one of those things you have to assume is going to regress, even if just a little bit. And maybe his XFIP of 302 isn't quite what he's going to be. But if he could be, you know, a 320 ERA guy from his first year, or his first year back uh, from Tommy John, I would be more than okay with that. I'd be, well, that's, and again, I'll yeah. use Wainwright as an example because I think they're very similar pitchers. Um, 2009, he had a 6.2 uh, B War. 2010, he had a 6.3 B War. That post Tommy John year had a 1.1 B War. And then 2013, 6.2. 2014, 6.1. So it was that one year. You need that year back to readjust, to get back used to pitching. He took a whole year off. Why? I, I don't get why people think that's an easy thing to do. No, it's not. And I mean, look at it, could have been so much worse. Look at Parnell right now. Uh, also yeah. to transition to talk about lost, him because I do want to talk about him. Lost yeah, eight miles lost, an hour. Yeah, he's barely hitting 92, 93 nowadays. He did this hit 95 who, today, which was a good sign. Yeah, which yeah, that's good. But, I mean, this is a guy who's made his career throwing 100. Yeah. Uh, and although... And who knows? You know, he might get back there. Yeah, he could. Uh, he's not right now, though, which is a little bit worrying. But I do want to talk about him because uh, something I was very impressed with his outing today... Uh, in which he came in and basically saved the bacon of Carlos Torres, uh, because if he did not save that game, Carlos Torres probably be in a dumpster somewhere in Flushings right now. Um, <laughs> Bobby Parnell, it was apparent early on his fastball still wasn't quite what we're used to, but his curveball tonight was—they looked great. Uh, yeah, I mean Parnell always had a pretty good curveball, but it looked even above what I had come to expect from him. Uh, or maybe it's just been so long that I don't really quite remember how good it was. Uh, but Travis Darno instantly started utilizing the curveball a lot more. And uh, that just kind of shows, we were talking about this a little before we started recording, but uh, how much Darno adds to this team, not only with his bat, which speaks for itself, because he's probably one of the best hitters on this team, maybe behind Duda, but right now they're pretty close. Um but his value as a catcher, I mean, he's a smart guy. He knows the game. He is great at pitch calling uh, and great at defense. And that was something a lot of people worried about him. Uh, he's maturing greatly as a player, and I'm very excited about him. Well, I'm Just actually excited say. about Travis uh, where maybe in, you know, it might take a couple years, but I, I'm very excited for him because he does. Ha- it seems like he has such a good baseball IQ. I'm excited for him to get to the point where he kind of established himself, he's not a young guy anymore, and when he puts down a sign and a pitcher shakes him off, he can say, no, fuck you, throw this pitch, because this is mm-hmm. the right pitch. Because I'm telling you right now, our bullpen, specifically our relievers, starters are all right from what I've seen, but specifically our relievers have a very low collective baseball IQ. Uh, our, our relievers just genu- generally do not know the right pitch to throw in the right circumstance. And again, that was a lot with 
that complaint is a lot with Ploiecki behind the plate uh, for the you know past couple months, and uh, you know he's a he's a rookie. He's still you know right. kind of learning, but uh, specifically I would say Familia and uh, who's the other one? Crap, who's the other one I was just talking about? To know they threw the wrong pitch. Robles. Oh boy, now that's gonna drive me nuts. I mean, my big complaint. Not, not really a complaint, but what I will say, and I will absolutely stand behind with Familia, is if he can learn how to be more of a pitcher and not a thrower, then he mm. is the next Craig Kimbrell. And I will absolutely stand behind that. He's got absolutely filthy stuff. His fastball's got insane movement, wicked slider. If he can learn how to pitch, if he can raise his baseball IQ to know, know what pitch is thrown, what circumstances, I promise you we're going to look back in two, three years at him as like the next Craig Kimbrell. And that's a very bold statement. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I don't I will know stand if I'm willing to go day. that far with that statement, but I do think he's got potential to be one of the best relievers in baseball. He already is one of the best relievers in baseball right now, uh, but I think he could be in the upper tier potentially. But um, I do actually, I did anyway. want to touch on with Parnell though, how you said, uh, you know, how we were, you know, kind of talked about how he's kind of changed as a pitcher. Now I would like to say, 92-93 is no joke. You can be a very successful reliever throwing 92-93. You can. The if problem is it's also a very get, flat 92-93. That's, he, that's what I was going to say. If he can get back that movement, because the biggest thing when he was throwing 98-100, to 100, he had not only was he throwing 98-100, but he had wicked movement on it. Mm-hmm. So even if he's sitting 92-93, if he can get back that movement, then he really isn't going to have to, you the know, thing obviously... Is, Throwing harder would be nicer, but he's not going to yeah. have to to be successful. The thing is, a lot of that fastball movement we see in pitchers is due almost entirely to velocity. And just to get into the physics a little bit, I mean, you hear people talking about a rising fastball, but what a rising fastball actually is, is a fastball that's thrown so hard, it actually goes perfectly straight. But we're so used to seeing fastballs dip a tiny bit because of gravity uh, that that fastball goes perfectly straight and it looks like it's rising compared to a normal pitch. Uh, and so that's, that's what Harvey really did. Two years yeah, ago. exactly. And that's something that you're really not going to be able to do without throwing really hard in the upper 90s. Um, yeah. I mean, you can still get movement on fastballs, obviously. You, you know, you can throw a two-seamer, you can throw a cutter, you can throw a sinker. We see that yeah. from guys all the time. But uh, his he was a guy who was, you know had that rising fastball, and you, you do wonder how effective he's going to be without it. Of course, yeah. he still can get back to there. He still could. Uh, I, it could just be a strength thing right now. I'm not really sure. He could be... Taking it easy. I mean, he could be kind of, you know, going a little slow. Maybe, back from, and that would be but, understandable. Yeah. You don't want to get hurt again. I think if you're again. trying to get established, you wouldn't want to, you know, be throwing 93 in your first major league appearance in, what, 14, 15 months? Yeah. No, it's a, I mean, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. And then uh, one last thing, actually, and then we'll go to Guess That Met, but one last thing on that point. Uh, is with Harvey in that same situation. I am really digging this late in game Harvey that we're yeah. seeing, where he is pacing himself and then somehow just exploding in the last few innings. And that's, I mean, he's, you know, he could go the first four innings and get one strikeout, and then somehow in the final three gets six, and his end numbers look great. I think he's really, you know. Even if he doesn't finish, like I said with Wainwright as the example, if he doesn't finish with the all-around best stats this year, I feel like this year could be a really helpful year for his career because he's almost learning how to pitch more effectively without being that guy that just blows everyone away with his nasty stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So it can maybe help him down the road. Although I would I would be lying if I uh, said I didn't kind of want, want to see him be that late-game Harvey All-game. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and that's that what 2013 no Harvey was. I messed up four times, but no, I get what you're saying because you know that's what 2013 Harvey was was that guy that just blew you away all game. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and honestly, I think he'll get back to that point. I'm really not all that worried about it. People oh, don't yeah, understand no, think... the extensiveness of Tommy John surgery. Right, I think definitely by next season, if not this season, he will be back to that. I mean, because right now he's a still one of the best pitchers in baseball, but he's not that top tier like he was in 2013 where I think he finished fourth in Cy Young voting despite only having like 25 starts uh, and so I think he can return to that level of just pure dominance like he did yeah I mean I'm not I'm really like I said you know if you're kind of on the fence and you're listening to this 
I mean, however much you want to, you know, take from listening to us, but don't worry. I would say don't worry, really. I would because I, I think really, really highly that he's going to get back there. Yeah, it's don't just going to take Be a little happy. bit of time. Yeah, it's just going to take a little bit of time. So, quick first half recap: uh, Terry sucks, Carlos Torres sucks, <laughs> uh, Bobby Parnell may suck. We'll find out. Uh, Matt Harvey definitely does not suck, and. Hooray's Familia super doesn't suck. So I guess that's our basic first half. Does that sound about right? Yeah. I think that covers it all. Coming up in the second half, Daryl Siciliani also does not suck. Yeah, we'll, we'll get For to now. some of the other. For uh, now. We do have other players. So uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to some of those guys. But for right now, we'll uh, we'll head over and see if I can keep my lead in. Guess that map. It's time for Guess That Met. All right, it's time for Guess That Met. Uh, I currently maintain that half-point lead. We are keeping it close every week. We're, neither of us has really pulled away at any point yet. I think the the biggest was, I think we've each had a point-and-a-half lead, and that's the extent of it, which is uh, pretty impressive considering we're 15 weeks in. Nobody's yeah. really been able to uh, stretch a lead so far. We are very equally matched. Actually, one-and-a-half, not a bad number. That's exactly how many games the Mets lead the division by right now. Yeah, look at that. I mean, I'd be a lot happier if it was, you know, 11 and a half. But, (laughs) I mean, to be honest, at this point in, you know, what are we, June 16th? Yeah, June 16th. I don't think anybody thought we'd be a game and a half back, let alone a game and a half in front. I I was going to say, I'm sure a lot of people would have expected us to be 11 and a half games behind the Nationals. Yeah, I'll take this in a heartbeat. Absolutely. I'm not going to complain about this. Not at all. All right. Anyway. All right, so let's get to guess that Met. I will... uh, give you first since i'm winning i'll be home team i will start you off with the stat and i realized lately that we've been going back pretty far consistently uh i think you actually gave me a more recent one last week but overall yeah, we've been going I back I guess, trying to, no that's right trying <laughs> to stump each other i feel like we uh we've been going back a little far so i'm gonna bring it a little closer uh, okay. this this episode in 2011 okay this Mets pitcher had 59 and a third innings pitched, struck out 64 batters, which was good for a 9.7 strikeout per nine, and had a 3.64 ERA, hmm. which was good for a 101 ERA plus. So basically uh, pretty much average as far as the league goes. So relief pitcher 2011. Wow. Okay. <laughs> 2011 relievers. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of take a stab in the dark here. That might be wrong, and I'm not even 100% sure that he was on the team this year, so feel free to mock me. Uh, But was it Francisco Rodriguez? Francisco Rodriguez was on the team that year. However, it was not him. Okay. The correct answer that you're going to kick yourself about is Bobby Parnell. Oh, that motherfucker. <laughs> Bobby Parnell. He had a uh, a pretty decent year that year. The ERA could have been a little lower, but that was, uh, I believe, I'll look at his stats here, but I think that was his first year that he really pitched well. Uh, no, I was off by one year. 2010 was, was the year he came onto the scene. So one year prior. Was that prior. the year he came out as a starter? No, no, that Parnell was two years. was a starter. That was 2009, and that was a bad year. That was a rough year. His year, it was over five. (laughs) Yeah, because Bobby uh, Parnell is not a starter. You know who he actually reminds me of? Well, pre-surgery he reminded me of, and I think it was a very good comparison, actually. Wade Davis. I don't know. I haven't really gotten to see Wade Davis pitch. Well, he's the kind of same hard thrower, but the, the comparison was Wade Davis came up as a starter as well, and they both struggled. They were both terrible as starters, just extremely... Uh, mediocre, I'd say definitely below average, but then to put them in the bullpen where they could just kind of light it up, they both, you know, threw high 90s, big strikeout guys, just really, once they made the switch, really worked out well. Yeah. So, that's who he reminded me of pre-surgery. We'll see if he could ever get back Solid there. Solid comp. I would, I would very much like a Wade Davis in our bullpen right about now. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? One earned run given up this year? I'd take it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Alright. Any Anyway, uh, so we'll see if you could extend the lead a little bit here. Oh, 1987. 1987, so I'm bringing okay. it back a little bit. 
1987. Uh, in 351 plate appearances, 351 he hit... He had a triple slash of 308, 398, 545 with 14 home runs. 308, yep. 398. 398 on base percentage and a 545 slugging. 14 homers and 350 plate appearances. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's not. Who would have hit? All right, so the 87 Mets. Strawberry would have had more home runs. Hojo had more home runs. You said 14 home runs? Yep. In 350 uh, plate appearances, though. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a pace for about where those guys were at, but they would have hit more. Um, that was the year we had Mick Reynolds, but there's no way in hell he would have hit for that high of a batting average. Uh, Backman was on that team, but he didn't. he's not going to hit the home runs. Uh I, because I had one that come to my that came to my head, but I there, there's no way the then the the plate appearances threw me off because I was thinking Keith Hernandez, because he those are about where he would be numbers wise, but he he would have had more plate appearances than that. There's no way he would have only had 350 plate appearances. Um, same same thing with Gary Carter wouldn't have hit for that high of an average though. I know that team decently well because it was right after the world series but mookie wouldn't have had that many home runs i don't think uh who else was on that team i think tuffle was on that team i don't know if he would have hit that many home runs. that's a lot of home runs in a short time for tuffle though i don't know if he was ever that big of a power hitter oh i really want to get this is big if i get this <laughs> then i can't you'll be losing going into the next week. So I really, really want to get this one. Um, I got it. It's probably between Keith and Tuffle, but I don't, I'm going to have to go with my gut because I don't think Keith would have had that few at bats. I'm going to say Tuffle. You son of a bitch. Did I really? Yeah. It was yeah. I didn't right. think you were going to get that at all. Timmy tough. Wow. Well, it, was, it was honestly the 87 Mets I have a decent knowledge of be, just because it was right after the World Series. So, you know, yeah. a lot of the guys were the same and and uh, had at least a, a decent decent knowledge of that team. Man, I really thought I was going to get you with that one. Do you still have it up? I'm assuming no. Hernandez now because uh, I'm assuming Hernandez had more at bats than Probably. that. Probably. I'm insane. assuming he was pretty much around those stats as well. I mean, you were saying there was no way, but I mean, he could have been hurt. Yeah, that's that was my thought, but I don't remember him getting hurt from that year at all. That's why, like, I you weren't I alive. Think. Well, I know the team. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I trust me. I've studied my Mets history. Keith actually hit 18 home runs that year in okay. about 300 more plate appearances. Yeah, so there you go. That's I knew he was. You know, he yeah. would have hit more than that. True. That's also again. That's that's actually probably the point that I should have looked at more. Is that would be a lot of home runs for Keith in yeah those amount because he was never that, a big home that, run hitter. That 18 was actually his career high. Yeah, he's never a huge home run hitter. I mean, he's, a, he's no, an amazing hitter, just never a huge home run guy. Right. All right, so I guess I should give you your uh, your jersey number now. Yeah, you bastard. This one should be uh, a little easier, uh, I would think. From 2012, 2012, this New York Met wore number 56. Not that it's super uh, easy, but I think this is definitely gettable for you. Yeah, it probably should be. Hmm. This I will give you a hint, and that is that this player replaced another player who a lot of Mets fans are now sad that we did that. I know that sounded okay. a little confusing, but yeah, it'll, it it'll, it'll, it'll click in a second. Hmm. So somebody they're sad we got rid of or sad was replaced. Yeah. We're number 56, which is almost definitely a relief pitcher, but possibly could be a starting pitcher, but can't think of any starting pitcher that would have worn 56. I will tell you, just to make this a little more interesting for me, because then you'll get more upset if you get it wrong, which will make me laugh. <laughs> it was not a pitcher. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, now I know it's, uh, Andres Torres. Yep. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Andres Torres. So obviously, one of the, Pagan was my hint. Yeah, probably the worst trade in Sandy Alderson's tenure. To be fair, though, at the t- Andres Torres, let me look this up because I'm pretty sure he was coming off a very solid year. He had one great year in his career, and every other year in his career had been absolutely awful. He was and if, okay. So he was he was one year removed from that great year. So I, I, Sandy was taking a chance on him. I mean, he had a in 2010 he had a 5.3 WAR. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, he was great that year. So yeah, that one incredible year, and then it was like one of the biggest outlier seasons of all time. Yeah, so I mean, Sandy was clearly just kind of taking a shot on that happening again. But to be fair, Angel Pagan was having a lot of problems with the Mets. Like apparently, he did not do well in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, he just wasn't a fan of the team. So I mean, there wasn't really. I feel like there wasn't really a lot Sandy could do at the time. Um, and and to to be fair, the year we traded him, he did not have that good of a year. He hit two sixty two with only seven home runs. He was only worth a one point one WAR. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I don't I don't know if it was the. Uh, to be fair, I might call it the worst Didn't trade Sandy our... made, but only because he hasn't made really bad trades. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Didn't we get a reliever? I mean, 2013 well? with the Giants. What happened? Didn't we get a reliever in that trade as well? Did we? I thought it was just straight up. I thought it was just Pagan for Torres. I think I remember getting a reliever. I can check. I think it was just Pagan for Torres. And I'm looking at it here 2013 with the Giants, 0.8 war. 2014, 1.5. So he really hasn't set the world a, you know, a light. Since being traded, the the year after we traded him, he had a 4.0 war. But after that, really not a whole lot going on. Yeah, mostly because he's been hurt, though. Yeah, but that, I mean, that factors into it, though. Yeah, absolutely. But still would have been better than some of what we've had in the outfield the last couple of years. Yeah, true. But uh, you can give me, you go ahead and give me your jersey number and I'll look up that trade. Okay. Uh, so since yours was number 56 in 2012... I'm going to add one to the year and subtract one from the number. Go number 55 in 2013. 55 in 2013. So I'm kind of along the same lines. Right off the bat, I'm kind of along the same lines, and I feel like it would be a pitcher. Because uh, usually pitchers are the ones that are up that high. I will, I will. since you gave me it, it was a pitcher. <sighs> okay, it was a pitcher. So super narrow that down for you. It was a pitcher. Oh, you know what? I think I have it. No, do you? I think I have it only because he appeared. I mean, it had to get like ingrained in your brain because he appeared in, I think, every single game the Mets franchise has ever played. I think all the way back to 1962, I think he's appeared in every single game. Uh, that would be, of course, Perpetual Pedro. Yep. Yeah? Yep. All right. Yeah. There we go. Two for two this week. Ugh. Fantastic. Perpetual Pedro. Every single game ever played by the New York Mets. Uh, Pedro Feliciano was involved in. I, I believe that's a statistical these, fact. I'm going to have to make these way harder next week. I'm telling you, I'm on top of my game, man. And I, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, you were right. Um, although it'll just make us feel better as fans. But the reliever that we got from the Giants was Ramon Ramirez. Oh, Yeah. The long-tenured Ramon Ramirez Wow! with the Mets. Whatever happened to him? Let me. I got his page oh, coming no. up right now. Probably dead uh, or let's something. Let's see. In his one year with us, I guess, it, I mean, it wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. His, he pitched one year with us in 63 innings at a 4.24 ERA, so not terrible, I guess. Yeah. But no, certainly not good. And then uh, he's out of baseball now. He he went back to the Giants after that year with us and got shelled in five innings. So they just dumped him. That's actually, that's actually kind of funny. I'm looking now just an odd little tidbit on Ramon Ramirez. Uh, he got in five innings with the Giants the, the, in 2013. He got shelled, so they got rid of him. And then in one inning with the Orioles in 2014, he pitched one inning, two strikeouts, didn't allow a hit or anything, and that's how his career ended. So <laughs> oh, He went out on top. That's the Good last you, inning Ramon he ever Ramirez. pitched. Good for you. That's, that's the last. Uh, you know what? That's not a bad way to go. The last inning he ever pitched in his career well, was. Is he or, pitching in the minors anywhere? Um, let me see. This is so like nobody cares about this, but it's <laughs> like now we're doing it. See, this so is the type well. of shit I do in my free time: is look up random ass fucking players on Baseball Reference to see what happened to them. 
Yeah, that's not a bad way to pass time, to be honest. He is pitching in the Mexican League for Tijuana. Oh, how's he, how's he doing? Uh, 3.29 ERA in 27 innings, but he's got 32 strikeouts. He's got a 10.5K oh. per nine in Mexico. Oh, good for him. So, viva la Mexico for, for Ramon <laughs> Ramirez. The, the, oh, what's he say? The, uh, the Mets great. What's that, what's that guy always say when you talk about guy could have played for a team for like eight seconds. He's like Mets, you know, Mets legend, Ramon Ramirez <laughs> or whatever that is. I don't remember. Yeah. I have no but, idea what uh, you're referencing, but. All right. We can move on from that then. So I keep a, uh, I get a nice one and a half point lead extend by a point. So I'm pushing that barrier for uh, biggest win and, uh, take that into next week's edition but for now we will take it to the second half of the show which we will do in just a second you're listening to raising the apple your home for all the latest mets news analysis and predictions all right so we're going to move on to the second half of the show here we're going to talk about uh we'll talk about the week we will recap the the week for the new york mets although i think Uh, we should we could just move through this one fairly quickly yeah there there was because i have to be up in yeah. like eight hours, so Ethan's Ethan's got to go to work like a big boy. Yeah, I know. Got a new job. All right, Mo- so moving we up in the can world. do. We'll do this we could, fairly quickly. I mean, I mean, it was a. It was. We a, talked about the Harvey Shell game. Yeah, um, I mean, there wasn't much to say about whooped. that one, to be yeah. honest. Uh, so anyway, moving on. The next game was the walk off. Uh, John Neese started that game. Pitched okay, I guess. Um. And then uh, Kadir got the walk off in that game against you know, the Giants. Game. That was the, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, against the Giants. That was the attempting to avoid the sweep against the Giants, which we successfully yep. did. Yep. Uh, I don't think that really there was anything else in that game that particularly stood out to me. Uh, I believe um, Nice pitched fairly well in that game. He pitched Mike, seven Mike innings, seven innings, two opinion. runs. Seven innings, two earned runs, four runs. He keeps getting burned by those unearned runs. Which but, uh, one was that? Innings. Do you remember who that error was? Uh, I'm trying to me... picture it, but I can't. Oh, was this the game Muno? Or no, that was a different game. No, it was Campbell. Campbell in this game. Oh, that's right. Okay. I remember that now. Uh, but yeah, anyway, seven innings, two earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts, uh, one homer. So, you know, not terrible, but, you know, he gave us seven innings of two earned runs. Uh, you know, I'd take that from him, obviously. Oh yeah, absolutely. About, yeah, it's about standard for uh, Mr. Nice. Well, I don't know standard. I'd, I'd say it's above standard. I'd because I'd take that from him in a heartbeat. Yeah, fair enough. So we um, avoided the sweep against the Giants. Yeah, uh, the next and game. That, was, that was really when the fun of the week started. Was that game? Yeah, we got into it pretty well after that because yeah, then we cause... took that and we beat the Braves the next day, five to three. Yeah, a solid and start from Big Bart. Bartolo. Bartolo, <laughs> love that man. Uh, uh, he, this is another game where Alex Torres gave everybody a heart attack. Well, that's just everybody in the ballpark. That's just every game but, that Alex yeah, Torres that's, pitches. That's uh, standard procedure for him. Uh, I believe, though, unfortunately, super unfortunately, that was the game that Bartolo's hitting streak came to an end. Yep. I know we were all yep. waiting, you know, with bated breath every time. He he stepped up to the plate. I have to say though, I do remember, and this is the funny thing about Bartolo hitting. And I know, you know, there was that thing about him not wanting to be made fun of hitting, you know, whatever. But uh-huh. the funny thing about him hitting though, and how much we love it, is that it's just a random one at bat from the season that was completely meaningless. But I remember that in his first at bat in that game, he smoked the ball to center field. Yeah, hit a screaming yeah, line I drive that. that. On- Fortunately, was right at the center fielder, but I just find it hilarious that I remember that one out in a random game because it was Bartolo hitting. Yeah, and that's fun. Yeah. Like what that you know, that's a lot of fun. It is, but I think we've gone on enough tangents about Bartolo Colon batting so far, and that's true. The short Fair point. Of this, so uh, that this was, was did did Familia save that game? Sorry, by the way. Yes, he did. I want to say that was this is the I'm game. Trying, I think internet, this was. Is, when he uh, when Jay Reese Jr. was born. Oh, that's right. The double had, play. Yeah, right loaded as, the bases right as he was born. Because it was that, not actually a good outing by Familia. Uh, he walked two, didn't get any strikeouts in the inning. Uh, thankfully, Nick Markakis uh, could not hit with the bases loaded. He had three at bats with the bases loaded in that game and did not drive in a single run. 
He technically yeah, did bring beautiful. in a run on a double play, but didn't get a single RBI in three at bats with the bases loaded, which is which is very bad. No, that's that's that is especially not, a not good, what you want from good, your not a cleanup game. hitter. I, yeah, I just I find it, he's why they have been batting cleanup. The guy hasn't yeah, hit a home run all year. No, he doesn't. He's slugging three sixty four with a, he's a great or no, he's that was that during that game, but yeah, he he'd be a perfect. He's playing perfectly fine. He just should not be batting cleanup. I mean, at this uh, point, right. Przinsky should be batting cleanup before him. Yeah, seriously. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, the next game was the next game was a sad ugh. game. You know what? I went on my Terry rant for today, so we're just gonna this game. We blew the save in the ninth. Familia wasn't available. Lost in the eleventh. That's all I'm gonna say about this game because I'll go on another Terry rant if I talk about it. Uh, well, which, I didn't really think covered. Terry was particularly to blame here. No, no, no. See, don't say that because then don't get me started. All right, all right, just don't, just don't respond. Yeah, don't. Uh, but this was also where the legend of Daryl Siciliani began. Was this game? Uh, he got a couple of hits, and if I recall correctly, this was the game where he threw out Maven at home plate. Yes, I believe I wasn't able to watch until the last few innings. Um, let's see if I could find this. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was this game in the top of the eighth? Okay. When the Mets were still winning. I uh, threw out Cameron Maben at the plate after getting a pair of hits in the game. People were oh, like, right. oh, maybe, maybe the Siciliani kid ain't too bad. You know? <laughs> Is that your Brooklyn accent? Yeah, that's what people in New York talk from what, what I've gathered from WFAN. Yeah, but see, the problem is, though, you being from Connecticut, you don't realize that that's one borough because not everybody talks like that. The New York no, I, has everybody talks several like different accents. Oh, no, I know. I used to work with a girl from Queens, and she had the most exaggerated Queens accent I've ever heard. Like, I think it was probably fake because it was that over the top. Good chance. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the next day was the Sunday. That was a well, great game. I also do game. want to bring up, this was another great, that uh, the Siciliani game, the blown save was another great start by Jacob deGrom, who, as we said last week, continues to just keep getting better. Uh, seven innings, one run, one walk, nine strikeouts. Uh, so, yeah, he's been fantastic, and that's really all I have to say yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, that. he's been great all year outside of one or two bad starts. Yeah. Um, really just, you know, one really bad start. Yeah. So, the Sunday game, Mets beat the Braves 10-8, but oh, what a comeback. We're 8-3, yes. right? 8-3 we yes. were down? And this was a great game for two reasons. One was the incredible comeback, and two, it was the dagger, or it was a stake in the heart of Dylan G's Mets career. Because as we, for some reason, completely forgot to talk about, Dylan G is gone for now. Yeah. And DFA'd. That uh, really... the 25-man roster. That tells you everything you need to know. About Dylan G really is that he was cut from the team and we forgot to mention it in the show. <laughs> That's that basically sums up everything you need to know about Dylan G. It also sums up everything you need to know about us. <laughs> oh, only like one of the biggest news things from the week, and you know, whatever. It's close to midnight. I think. <laughs> no, it's, let's it's, rant it's about a, Terry Collins for a couple a, more hours. I think it's a fair excuse. We're both half asleep here. Yeah, let's use that. But uh. Yeah, so Dylan no. G in that game started off three and two thirds with eleven hits and eight runs. Didn't give up like four uh, homers. No, that was the Braves. Was I thought G gave up a few home runs too though? No, he only gave up one. Oh, the okay. Mets hit four homers. Oh, we hit four. That's right. That's what it was. Okay, that's right. Yeah, because it started with uh, Siciliani as his legend grew back when we were down eight three. Hit a, his first major league home run to make it eight four. Two batters later, Dilson Herrera followed up with a homer to make it eight five. Uh, later in the game, Darno homer to make it 8-7. That's when it started to get really interesting. And then, of course, the highlight of the game, uh, Juan Lagares in the sixth inning hit a three-run homer, make it 10-8. And my dad, we had been moving furniture all day, listening to the game on the radio, and at that point he had to bring the U-Haul back. And he literally called, he had pulled over to call me about how excited he was because he heard the Lagares home run. That's funny. And I was going to say on that, Anytime Juan Ligaris homers, it ties for the best day of the year for me. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know my extent of Juan love. Yeah. How can and, you not love him? Oh, that's I love it. That's absolutely brilliant. I will say, though, I think you're overlooking one very important thing. In the 3.2 innings, so three and two-thirds innings that Dylan G pitched, he had four strikeouts. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a, but, K, per, it's a K per nine over nine. So that, that's pretty impressive. But he was also against the Braves, 
and he still gave up <laughs> runs. And I'm also clearly making a joke, so that, you know, is part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, his Kato walk was four, so, I mean, probably it's, should not have cut him. Yeah, we probably should put him, that might be all-star material. Typical fucking Sandy Alderson bullshit move. <laughs> so sick of it. Oh, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? But obviously, anyway, so no, that was um, that was obviously a great game. Nice comeback against the Braves, yep. and then we and moved then, on to the Blue Jays, who came in which, just yep. piss hot. Uh, 11, 11 in a row, they had won, tying our win streak from uh, the beginning of the year, and we basically said, uh, "Well, Syndergaard gave up the home run to Batista in the first inning." And then after that, he said, hey, remember when you guys traded me? Yeah, probably <laughs> not your best move. And then he proceeded to just go ham just yeah. all over them. And we basically said, nah, don't worry about your win streak. That don't matter. And then we got to the ninth inning. And then Familia said, eh, maybe your win streak does matter. I'm going to give you a chance at it. Well, you know what? You know what? We have been talking. I wanted to bring this up when we got to this game because we have been talking about what Darno brings to the game in terms of or what he brings to the team in terms of pitch calling and that pitch call by Ploiecki against Bautista was Ugh, a terrible pitch call. Terrible. And Familia, he made a great pitch. He threw a two seam fastball in on the hands that moved exactly like you would want a two seam fastball to move and hit the target perfectly. Bautista is an inside fastball pull power hitter and you do not want to give him that pitch in the ninth inning of a one run game. And that's the type of stuff that, you know, you're a rookie catcher Obviously, that stuff's going to happen, and I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm really trying to get on Plawecki for that, but that's just, you know, I'm trying to highlight the type of stuff that pitch calling can bring to a game because well, that was I'm, almost a difference in that game. I'm glad you said that because, if for once, it's not me saying it, but just for anyone that doesn't really, not that you don't understand pitch, but just that you're not big on pitching, it's not your forte, when you have a one run lead, you are not. And in like a safe situation, in the ninth inning, in a safe situation, you have a one-run lead. You are not throwing a first pitch inside fastball. You're just you're not. That's the last thing, literally, literally, in every sense of the word. Literally, I'm using it correctly, not like a 16-year-old girl. I'm using the correct form of literally. The last pitch that you throw is an inside fastball on the first pitch because the last thing you want is them to turn on one and yank it out of the park, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. It's just a, that's what I was talking about with pitcher with our pitchers with the baseball IQs. That's a terrible pitch call. It's just I I, I genuinely could not believe that that pitch was called. It uh, it was shocking to me. And the thing is, that's something Darno I know offers. I'm assuming that you're the type of pitcher who kind of like to command his own game, but there are certain pitchers who just prefer to trust their catchers. And I don't know for a fact if Familia is like that at all, but the blame, if you want to quote unquote blame, I don't want to blame anybody for anything that happened, especially giving up a home run to Jose Batista, which could happen to anybody because Jose Batista is a hell of a hitter. Um, but, you know, sometimes it could go either way. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. but that's the thing, though. That's what I'm talking about. Like with Darno, hopefully, you know, I know he wasn't catching that game, but I'm saying I'm hoping this happens with him in the next year or two years, or whatever. Is if Familia was calling his own game, if he was calling his pitches, the catcher should know to say no. Like I, I don't care that you want to throw that. We're not throwing that because that's a stupid idea. It's never going to work. We're not throwing that pitch. Like that's the kind, you know, that's mm -hmm. like the Gary Carter esque catcher that I want. But anyway, before we just get stuck dwelling on the one bad part of this game. Uh, we just talk about, personally, in my opinion, probably the game of the year so far uh, in terms of excitement. I would agree. When they had Duda down, uh, you know, down to two strikes with, uh, you know, the lefty throwing that big sweeping curve that Duda had just kept swinging over and fouling off and not making good contact. I thought they were done. I thought there was no chance in hell. And the bad theory... The Babbitt Ferry for once decided to give the Mets fans a break and let Duda hit that little looper into no man's land in left field against the shift, let Flores sneak a little ground ball up the middle, and for once the Babbitt Ferry let us ride her to victory. It was fantastic. Yeah, Flores was a pretty solid hit. Yeah, I know. Sneak. It, was a, it was a solid single. But, you know, it was a grounder. 
Yeah, it no, wasn't I mean, anything. It, it, yeah, whatever works. So uh, that was the good one, and luckily we won, so I don't have to talk about Carlos Torres, you know, just uh, doing his... Wait, was that... No, Carlos Torres was... Carlos Torres had a shutout inning. No, who am I thinking? It was Robles. Uh, Robles. Yeah, okay, sorry, that was Robles. I was trying to think... But we didn't have anybody else in the pen at that point. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking it's the extra innings that threw me off because I was thinking of Carlos Torres from the uh, the Braves game on Saturday. Oh, when, yeah. When he got just destroyed in the 11th. But, uh, no, so this one, I don't think, to be honest, I, that was one of the times I don't think Robles uh, really did too much wrong uh, in that game. It's just sometimes, yeah. you know, you're going to give up a run. It's going to happen. Yeah, he's but, been uh, giving up a lot of runs, but he, we've just, talked about he, it a little bit, but. It's hard because he looks so good when he's pitching. Like he's got great stuff. I just don't. I don't get what the issue is, to be honest. It's. I think it's just small sample size. He's only thrown sixteen innings, and his ERA is two runs higher than his FIP. I'm not concerned about him. I he think has, I, he I has still good think stuff. he does. He has great stuff, and I honestly, I think he's going to end up being a very big part of this bullpen in the near future. Uh, and he'll probably end up getting sent down as soon as you know somebody like Vic Black or something comes off the DL. Yeah, I'm or, not sure where they're me, going because we got Mejia, we, we have Mejia back. coming back in a couple weeks. Uh, my my guess right now is that Leathersitch is going to go down when Mejia comes back. Yeah, That's my yeah, guess. I can see that as well. But you but, know Terry and his lefties. Yeah, who knows? They still can't use right. Leathersitch right, so who knows if we'll figure that out? <laughs> yeah, I know. That that's its own conversation. Yeah, which we have gone off about before. Yeah. But all right, so that, I mean that pretty much we we talked about tonight's game at the start of the episode, so that pretty much covers the week. Uh, good week. We went five and two, I think it was. Let me see here. Since since our yeah. last episode, I don't remember if we covered the the five eight loss or the eight five loss to the Giants in the last episode. Uh, no, because we ended with the no. We recorded the night of the no hitter. Yeah. So yeah. So five and two in the week. I'll take a five and two week every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine by me. <laughs> and taking two out of taking the first two from the Blue Jays. Which just yeah. goes to show you, good pitching can beat good hitting. Which is technically, technically it's a sweep, because now we go to Toronto. Yeah, no, nah, I don't care. It's not a sweep. <laughs> I'm counting it. I'm counting it. Counts in my you book. You can count it all you want, Mike. Hey, we, we played two games at home against the team. We won both games, and now we're leaving home. That's a series. Yeah, I don't That's even like that series against the Orioles, where you played two games and swept them. I don't even want to call that a sweep, because it's two freaking games. It's such a stupid series to have. Ah, you're weak. I'll take it. No, take I hate it. this new scheduling. I hate it. Yeah, it is. A, it's a little weird. The new schedule. I hate interleague all the way. I hate having interleague all year long. I don't know. Oh, why. see, I like it. Uh, see, gonna, I like interleague games, but having it all the time, it like just kind of makes it pointless. Like, what's the point of even having two leagues besides the DH at this point? Honestly, that's fine enough for me because keep the DH the fuck away from the NL. Don't bring your damn DH mm. anywhere near the National League. <laughs> I hate you, DH. Okay. I hate you. Don't ever come near me. All right. Yeah. So we'll end the episode talking about how we hate the DH. Sounds like a good way to end it for me. Yeah, because I'm uh, about to fall asleep here. So Yeah. We'll be back after we finish the sweep of the Blue Jays, according to Ethan. And uh, <laughs> then we got the Braves and the Brewers on the slate. And we will hopefully be back after a, uh, what do we got here, seven games. So 7-0 and a week. That's hopefully we'll be back after a 7-0 week. That works for me. I'll take one yeah, of those. Yeah, I, I, guess I, I guess I would be okay with it. Sounds good. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. It's time to say goodbye. looks up and we're going Goodbye. goodbye. And the Mets win it. Walk away. It's hard to say